long time ago, we started looking at the book of James and, uh, and what, was, uh, what James was writing. Now, James wrote to believers everywhere. Most of the letters in the New Testament are written to specific churches at specific times going through different situations. But James uh, wrote to believers all scattered, he said, everywhere. And he wrote with a specific purpose. Do you remember what the kind of overall theme of the book of James is? It would be on the screen, so that can help you. As long as the screen starts working. What's happened? Is it on the right uh, channel? James, do you remember what James is all about? Faith and works. Perfect. Really, what James is about is this. Let me put these up. Do you remember these? Let me get my blue tack out, which is now white. So you can't call it blue tack anymore, can you? Let me get my white tack out. It's all about the spirit and goes up there. Oh, put it out the right way. Hang on, put there. It's all about the spirit versus the flesh over here. And James spends the whole book contrasting the two. He says, some of it goes through the Spirit. You know, are you walking? This is the way we should be walking. He said, we need to be walking this way towards the Spirit because the alternative is we're walking towards the flesh. And there's no middle ground. James says, you're either doing one or you're doing the other. There's nothing in between. So, and then he, he uses so many different examples, so many different um, characteristics about the way we live our lives to kind of analyze and help us to analyze ourselves as to whether we're walking in this direction or walking that way. And even when we're believers, we know that when we sin, sin means what? What is sin? Really, sin, the definition of sin, it, it's really about turning around and walking the, the wrong way. It's about missing the mark. Anything where we're not walking that way is considered, biblically, is considered sinful. So it might be okay as far as culture is concerned, but if it's not walking in the Spirit, the Bible says it's sinful. Sometimes we have a definition of sin that means that unless I murder someone or do something really bad, it's, not really, it's, all, well, it's kind of neutral. The Bible doesn't have a neutral. Because he says you're either walking in this direction or... You're walking in that direction. Perfect. You guys are geniuses at the back. Look at that. Thank you. Right? So the first, the first example, if I can find my... Here we go. First example he gives is about this. Do you remember what this was about? I'm going to test you now. This is not going to be on the... This is not, it's not going to ruin your pancakes, this. I'm not going to leave it for the pancake quiz. But this was about... Trials and temptations. Do you remember it starts? Consider it pure joy, my friends, when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because your trials lead to maturity. Trials are things that God allows in your life. Why? Because it leads you towards this. We don't like the trials, 
but they have a positive outcome. Temptations lead you which direction? This way, okay? I'm going to do a lot of walking today. I'm going to get my step count in, right? Temptation leads you this way, and sometimes something that happens in your life can be a trial and a temptation at the same time, depending on how you respond. Sometimes God allows certain things to happen in our lives that if we respond in the right way, we end up going in this direction, but if we respond in the wrong way, we end up going in this direction. Sometimes we just lead ourselves into temptation and there's nothing good about it. And sometimes God just gives us trials that lead us this way where there's no temptation involved. It's just helping us to grow stronger and stronger. So there's a trial or there's a temptation. depends how you see yourself. The second is this. He says, don't, uh, verse chapter 1, 19 and 20, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. He says, you've got to put it into practice because there's so much in the word that if you don't put it into practice, what are you doing? If you, if you listen to the word today and then just go out and it has no effect, you're not walking in this direction, are we? If we do our daily reading and we read the word and nothing speaks to us, we're not walking in this direction. We're just kind of ticking it off a list. And we're effectively going the way of the flesh, right? He says, don't do that. Third thing he says, remember what this was? Don't kind of judge. Don't show any favoritism he said do you treat people differently depending on what they wear or do you remember when i dressed up that was the one where i dressed up in different outfits do you remember that and you gave me a round of applause for i don't know why or i put my pictures up i think of different don't show any favoritism. Don't listen to people because of what they look like. Spiritual growth. You know, the Spirit wants to lead us to, towards growing. And, and if, we, if we just listen to certain people and not to other people, if we show favoritism in any way, we're not like Jesus, are we? He treated everybody the same. Context changed. And the, what he said and the way he said it changed. But he still had that same love for all people. And we need to do the same. Fourthly, we looked at this. Action speaks louder than words. James goes back to his favorite thing. Don't just listen. If your faith is not accomplished or accompanied by action, he said it's, in Spanish, muerta, right? Is that the same in Portuguese? What's Portuguese for dead? Huh? Muangi. Oh, I can't even pronounce that. Okay, muerta is Spanish, but it's similar, huh? Yeah, similar. Yeah, just different, but similar. It's, it's dead, right? He says, why? Because if, you're, if you say you've got faith, if you say you're traveling in this direction, it will show. It will show in what you do. And so he says, I will tell you somebody that's walking in this direction, not because they're saying it, but because I'll be able to see the results in their lives because God will be flowing through them and you just see it. You don't need anybody to tell you that they're walking towards the Spirit. Because it will be evident in their lives. Just look at them. See them. And then we spoke about what? I love that picture. What's that all about? We didn't talk about dogs. It's all about the tongue. Right? Right? about how you speak 
And the way you speak, your tongue, he says, is a window on your heart. If you listen to people, you'll be able to tell which direction they're walking in pretty quickly. It's what you need to do. You can tell people who are walking in the Spirit by what they say and the people who are not. Really easily. Not by the language that they use, but their tongue reveals their heart and their heart reveals the direction. Are they all about God? Are they talking about what God wants and and everything that comes out of their mouth or the things that come out of their mouth is about what, what, what is beneficial for God, how we'll bless God. We sang it, bless the Lord, O my soul, right? Bless him, bless him. Is that what's coming out of you from the inside? Because if you hear that from other people, then you know they're walking in this direction. But if it's all me, 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 this is what I want, this is what I think we should do, this is what I think you should do, then you know they're not walking in the right direction. They're walking the other way. And so he says, listen to people's tongues because it will reveal the heart. That's where we got up to. That was last year. Let me ask you a question. Today we're going to look at the next part of the book of James. If you have like an important decision to make and you're not sure what to do, who do you ask? Who is it that you go and ask first? If you need some advice. Okay, uh, just talk to the person near you. Who, who is it you would go and ask? If you've if you got an important decision you need to make, obviously you pray about it because you're in church, all right? I know that's the right answer first. But like on a human level, who is it that you would go and ask if you just want some advice? You say, can, you come, can, can I phone them up or go for coffee or talk to them? Who would it be? Right, just share with someone near to you who that person is. Maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you just do it yourself. But If you're married, the correct answer is your spouse, just to let you know. Okay, I don't want to, you know, just saying. Nobody's falling out? Good. All right, just checking. Today we're going to talk about wisdom. Wisdom is the thing that we most need, isn't it, in making decisions. What shall I do in these things? You ever been in that position? Well, I don't know what to do. What shall I do? Well, what? I don't know which direction to take. What, where, 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 what, what, is, what, you know, I don't know what to do in these situations. I need wisdom. I, I, need, I need that kind of insight. And James talks about that in the passage that we're going to look at today. He says these words. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Now, deeds here in the, in the Greek really means by behavior. He says, let them show it in behavior that is done in the humility. What's humility? What's the definition of humility? Right standing, exactly. It's knowing your right standing before God. Humility is like not thinking of yourselves too highly, but equally not thinking of yourselves too low. 
right? We are sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We have standing, not because of our own worth, but because he gives it to us, right? Humility is recognizing where you are in the family, that we're co-heirs with Christ. So don't think of yourselves, I'm nothing, I'm useless, I'm that. No, you're not, because God has made you his daughter or his son. God sees stuff in you. But don't think, hey, you know, don't go strutting about. I'm not going to do my strut because you'll laugh, right? But don't do that. Because then God's going, hey, wait, wait a minute. You're not the Messiah either, right? You're not up there, right? Don't start wearing white, you know. You know what I'm saying? You know, know who you are. That's humility. So he says, like, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it. You can see it by their life, by their behavior, their character day by day that is done in that right standing before God and before others that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy, now bitter, bitter really is salt water. Right? Remember before it says, uh, when he's talking about the tongue, can, can a spring produce salt water and fresh water? No, it can't. It's the same word. He says, if you harbor any kind of salty envy, envy here really means, um, let me get the right word for it, zeal, a zeal for God. When we have a zealous, a zeal, a passion for God, it's the same word here. So if you have any kind of salty passion that comes from selfish ambition, from, from a self in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but he says is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It's of the flesh. It's coming from this direction, not that way, right? For where you have that kind of self-envy, envy or self-passion, Envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. What's he saying here? He's saying wisdom that comes from over here, you can tell what it's like. Because it's all about what's good for me. It's a passion that says, you know what? It's about selfishness. If this is good for us, if this is good for me, if this promotes what we want it to promote, then that's coming from over here. Just think about our world right now, and you've got so many examples. There was a certain man sitting in a certain chair in a certain palace in Moscow who said, it's good for me if we go and invade another country because it's good for us. Who cares about them? This is what we want to do for us. There was another certain leader in another country that said it's good if we raise this complete area to the ground and they're in the process of doing that, aren't they? Who cares about two million people living there? We don't care about them. Who cares? What we care about is us and our safety and we're never going to let the atrocities happen again. But we don't care about them. We don't care if all two million die particularly. We're not even going to allow food and water and medicine to come in or only in drips and drabs, not what's required. Why? Because it's every disorder and every evil practice. You find people saying, what's good for me? That is what the wisdom of the world says. You see it in our own politics as well. You see it in the leadership right now and in all these kind of 
debates that go on. And now they're talking, aren't they? Do you think he should take us into the next general election? What's good for me? What's good for, not what's good for Britain, not what's good for the whole nation as a, as a whole, not what's good for Europe, not what's good for, what's good for me? And you see that, and, and James says that's the wisdom of the age. That's the wisdom of the world. He says that wisdom, he says, is, is, is selfish and it's, it's fleshly and ultimately, he says it's demonic. It's of the devil. Why? Because it leads you away from God and away from godliness. Because it doesn't think about anybody else. It thinks about what's good for me. We're not going to talk anymore about that because that's a waste of time. You know that. Except that it's so, what's the word? It's so easy for us to fall into that ourselves, isn't it? You know, it's easy for me to look at all these other things and kind of, you know. But then in day-to-day -day life, so often our preferences can easily become our goals. I like this, so this is what we should do. You know? I, I like this sort of thing, so this is going to choose how I'm going to choose and make my decisions. It's not what's best for anybody else, not what's best for the majority, not what's best for... It's not even necessarily what the Lord wants. But this is what I like. This is what I want. And I find myself so easily, even though we can criticize our leaders, but the truth is we so easily go that way and use our own wisdom instead of the wisdom that James talks about right now. This is what we're going to look at today. Something more. He says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, from the Spirit, is first of all pure, then peace-loving, See that? Considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. He says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. We're going to unpack that today a little bit. But I think what we're going to do is actually revisit it later on. We'll come back and look at it one by one because this is important. He says, this is how you manifest. This is how you know whether you are using wisdom that comes from the Spirit or wisdom that comes from the world. You know, I like baking because I like eating cake. That's not a shocker to you. This is one of my fruit cakes that I made recently, right? I actually made one yesterday. I was going to bring it today, but we couldn't resist last night, so it's got a big hole in it. So... Sadly, I'm going to have to consume it with my wife. So that's okay. Think of me. I got your biscuits today. It's okay. All right? Now, the thing is about fruitcakes is when you're making cake, ingredients matter, don't they? I can't just go to the cupboard and pick up any kind of ingredient I've got there. You know, oh, I've got a bit of extra cornflakes. So I'll shove that in. It doesn't work that way, does it? You've you got a, an ingredients list and you have to follow the list Otherwise, you're not going to get a delicious cake like that, right? So the ingredients matter. You can't just kind of substitute something. You know, I, I know somebody who's actually here who, who substituted baking powder for baking soda and wondered why the cookies tasted a bit different, right? And then, and then I said, I, th I think maybe baking soda was in this, not baking powder, right? 
Ingredients matter. You can't just change one for the other because they look the same. They come in the same jars, which is really unhelpful, right? And, and it's an easy mistake to make, right? Quality matters as well. We had some yeast a while ago, and I make pancake bases and, that, and all that kind of stuff as well, right? In the machine, in a bread maker, right? So you shove it all in. Love doing it. Put, put the, nothing, it didn't rise at all. It was like a crepe. I'm like, what is this? And then I tried again, right? I tried to make some, what did I make? Cinnamon buns. Rubbish. Inika says, go to the wise one. She said, maybe the yeast is a bit old. So we got some new yeast. Boom. Things are rising again. Praise the Lord, right? The quality matters. You can't just have any old stuff. The quantity matters as well. You can't just shove in copious amounts of whatever you fancy in there, can you? You have to have a certain amount. If I, if I overdo the butter or overdo the liquids, then you, it's all just wet mess, right? Quantity matters. The order that you do things in matters as well. You have to do it in the right order because you have to cream up the, the butter and the demerara sugar first and get that nice and creamy in your bowl before you can add in the eggs and everything else that goes into a fruitcake, right? Of course, you have to test along the way. That is one of the most essentials to making a good cake. You have to make sure that the mixture that you're making is, you know, and I make a big mess, so I usually just scrape stuff off of the, uh, the counter because it's gone over the bowl, and I go, oh, that's tasting good. That matters, right? The mixing matters. The, the baking temperature matters. It all matters, to get the finished article looking like that. You know that. James is saying the same thing about wisdom right here. He's saying it all matters. And as we read the, the list again, the seven items that he puts, it's like ingredients, if you like. As we read it, as we reflect on it, I want you today to check yourself. Firstly, are these ingredients actually present in my life? Can I see them in my life? Can I see the godly wisdom in my life that I, I desire to have? Wouldn't we all love to have wisdom that comes from God? Make decisions in our lives and impart decisions to others that come from God? Then this is the list that you need to kind of check off. It's like your ingredient list that he says. See whether you have these. Check them in your life and see whether they are there. First, he says, they've got to be pure. Purity. Purity means there's a spiritual integrity, a moral sincerity. In other words, what he's saying is that first and foremost, above all the other ingredients, if you like, you've got to be walking in this direction. We've said before, only people who are committed to Jesus Christ can walk in that direction. You can't do that without the Spirit of God living inside of you. It's impossible. Non-believers cannot walk in that direction. It's just impossible for them. Because you're not enlivened by the Holy Spirit inside. Unless you said yes to Jesus Christ in your life, then the Spirit comes into you. It gives you the ability to even make that direction. It's impossible. People in the Bible, it says like you're, you're, you're just dead. Spiritually, it's saying you're dead. You can't, you can't turn around. It's impossible to go that way by our own choice. It's only by the Spirit of God. Read John's Gospel, John 15, uh, 14, John 16. He says it. 
The Spirit's role is to convict us. The Spirit's role is to help us to move in this direction. And unless we have that Spirit, unless we have that purity, that integrity that says, this is what I want to do, this is the way I want to go, then the rest of it is meaningless, okay? That's why he says, first, first thing you've got to have is you've got to be pure. It doesn't say you've got to be sinless. It doesn't say you're going to have to be perfect for any of this to happen. But purity means you've got to have that, that desire to go in this direction, a desire to want the things of God, a desire to align your life to the life that Christ wants you to be, the person he wants you to be. If you don't have that desire for alignment, if you're saying, I'm happy where I am, thanks very much, you know what you're doing? You're doing what the, the world does that we said earlier. This is what I want. And, God, and, and the Word says you can't have what you want and what God wants at the same time. You've got to make a decision. Are you going to live your life on what this is what I like to be? I want to be safe. I want to be secure. I want to do the things I want to do. I want to be the kind of person I want to be. Or are you going to be... No, I'm going to be the person that God wants me to be. I want everything that God has ordained for me. I want to be the person, I want to be the son of God or the, the daughter of God that he wants me to be. That's, that's where I want to go. You can't have one or the other. I mean, you can't have them both. You have one or the other. And that first thing he says is you've got to have a heart that is going in this direction. You haven't arrived, but you're going that way. It's pure. It's full of integrity, spiritually. You're going that way. And so you're trying to align your life. There's a moral sincerity. You're trying to align your life to the way that God wants you to be and to do the things he wants you to do. Second thing he says, you've got to be peace-loving. Now here he means that you need to have that inner peace where, where it comes. It's a kind of a contentedness, if you like. You know, you know sometimes where you... Your insides are just churning, exam week, you know. We should pray for that in a minute, right? But you know, there's, there's things where sometimes challenges come our way, don't they? If, if you're older, it's probably a hospital thing or a doctor's thing, right? I'm getting to that age. I know the feeling. Letter comes through the door and you're thinking, oh, my days, you know. We need you to come for a test. That's all they say. They don't tell you what the problem is. They don't say if you've got a week to live or you're okay. You know, it's just a, a minor thing that they're going to do. No, they just say, we need you to come. And all of a sudden, what happens inside? Your insides are like, you know, am I, am I going to survive till the weekend? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just like, can't you tell me a bit more than that? You know those things in life. But here he's saying the first thing that comes is that kind of inner contentment that comes from wisdom. Why? Because you know that if you're walking in the way of God, He's looking after you. The things will come into your life, yes. Trials will come. But actually they come because He's in control, He's looking after you, and He will see you through. He will watch over you. And so there's a peace that comes inside that we were talking about earlier, right? There's a peace that comes in there. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart, your emotions, who you are, the core of you, and your mind, your thinking in Christ Jesus. That you won't melt down every time these things happen because there's that inner peace. A peace that comes from inside. A shalom, a, a, a well-being 
from inside of you. And that comes to an outer shalom, a consideration, a gentleness, a sweet reasonableness, somebody put it as. This is, this is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and that gives us that inner peace. But then this is the love your neighbor as yourself. The peace that comes from God <coughs> excuse me, flows into you, but then it can flow out of you to other people. This is the don't show favoritism again, right? Treat people. Be a channel of God's blessing through your life into other people. Show them. Show them. Be considerate to them. Show them the peace. Be a channel of peace into their lives so that as you, as you meet with them, there is a kindness and a, a gentleness and a, and a beauty that shines through you into other people's lives. He carries on. Be submissive. Submissive, he really means be teachable. Have a teachable spirit. Be open to be enabled to be taught by others the ways of God. What it is you need to do. Good, good way to understand it. When was the last time you said sorry to somebody? And I don't mean like an English sorry. You know what an English sorry is. We are always saying sorry. You know, somebody walks in front of you and they cut you up and you apologize because we're English. Oh, sorry. You know, I just think I'm not sorry at all. Stupid person walking right in front of me. Right? But we do that because we're English. I don't mean an English story. I mean, last time you went to someone and you said, I'm really, really sorry. Can you remember the last time? Hands up if you did it this week. All the husbands should put their hands up. Hands up if you should have done it this week and you didn't do it this week. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right? I only use that example because it's one of the ways you can tell whether you're teachable or not. Where there is openness in you. When there is genuine openness, then you're not worried about saying sorry to people because we mess up all the time, right? Hands up if you mess up all the time like me. Hands up if you're still alive, right? Are you still breathing in here, right? We all mess up all the time. Guys, well, I can only speak for the men, but I just know it's inbuilt within us, right? We, we just do it. But how many times do we actually just go, you know what, I messed up, I'm sorry. Or do we try and defend that position? Ah, did that for a reason. You know, it's your fault. It wasn't me. I mean, I, I know I might, have, I might have overstepped the line, but I only overstepped the line because you did this. And we justify ourselves, right? Never works. Never helpful. And the easiest thing would just go, you know what, I'm sorry. I know, I mean, even though you may be messed up as well, but that's nothing to do with me, is it? That's to do with you. And if you just go, you know what, I'm sorry. Then generally they go, yeah, I'm sorry too. Let's, let's fix this. And it's over. That's because you're submissive. You have a teachable spirit within you that says, you know what, I want to grow. I want to learn. I, I want to be more than I am right now. And I'll do whatever I need to do. I'll, I'll, I'll be willing to be open to ena enable myself to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Because, you know, unless you have that teachable spirit, you can't go this way. You'll just be stuck. 
Because, you know, I have so much to learn about being more like Christ. Don't you? Anybody reached it yet? You further on than me in this direction? Are you up here? Are you are your halo glowing right now, is it? No, right? I don't see it. Sorry, but I don't. You know, I see you like me on this journey. But to do that, to get there, we have to, there's so many sorrows on the way. There's so many, Lord, I've messed up again. I have, I've gone, I've, I've started to turn around. I might not even gone the whole way, but I've started to look in this direction because this, this direction, the trouble with this is that this is, uh, this is nice. This is easy for us. This is natural. This is not natural. This way is, is hard to go this way. Jesus said that, didn't he? He says it's hard to go the way of God. It's not easy. He said, you know, you have to leave things behind. You have, let's not pretend it's easy to go this way. It's not. But it's worth it. It's more than worth it. Because you will be the person that God created you to be and you will have a life full of unbelievable blessings and, and, and witness to what God can do through you into others. But to do that, you have to be teachable. You have, to be, you have to come to the scriptures and you say, Spirit of God, teach me today. I don't understand all of this stuff. Teach me. Teach me your way. And then what? You know what happens? Every time I read the Bible, God shows me something. And I go, wow, I never saw that before. And I've read this book through so many times. Every time I get to the end, I go back to the beginning and start again. I just keep on going and going and going. But every time, I, that was never in there last time. It's the same Bible I've had for like, 40 years. It's the same words, and I'm sure that God changes them because it wasn't there the last time I read that. I'm telling you. And he shows it, and I'm going, man, how did I miss that? Because you have a teachable lifestyle. You know, you see it today. Sadly. You know, I, people that are not teachable. I see it with this you know, the, the, I don't want to knock our government because I wouldn't like to be there, right? I would not like to be prime minister right now or in the cabinet. So, but I heard it just recently. You know the Rwanda thing? Anyway, you hear what he said? He said, like, he got it through the House of Commons. And then what did he say? He didn't say to the House of Lords, please have a look at this and see if we can get it any better. He said to the House of Lords, you better just pass this, otherwise I'll be well ticked off with you. That's pretty much what he said. It wasn't quite in those words, was it? Much more refined than that. But pretty much, I hope you're all going to pass it. I'm thinking like Parliament is there. You're supposed to be in Parliament with a teachable spirit. What we surely want is, is some way that will help and you want the collective wisdom of everybody that's around to get the best. Who cares if they're Tory or Labour or Lib Dem or DUP or Scottish, whatever they are, you know? If they have wisdom, let's use it and get the best that we can get for the country. Not come with an attitude that says, this is my plan, you better vote for it. But that's what I see on all sides, to be honest of our parliamentary system right now. And I fear because I just think, where's the teachable spirit gone? 
that we used to have in this country? Where's the humility? Where are people in leadership that really say, you know what, let's, 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 let's listen and try and get the best. And yeah, we have to compromise, and yeah, we know all of that, but let's really keep listening to what we're trying to accomplish. But what about you and me? Do we have listening ears? And are we surrounding ourselves by those kind of people? People that are helping us to listen and to be the best. Fifth thing, he says, it's full of mercy and good fruit. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? You know that story. Full of mercy. It means it's full of reaching out. It's full of showing itself in practical ways to people around us. It's compassion that shows itself in action. You know, the easiest thing for this church to have done was to not allow the shelter to come in because it's a hassle. The easiest thing for the church to do is not to allow you know, other things to, you know, because life's a hassle sometimes. But if you're full of mercy, if you're full of good fruit, you know what? You, you put up with the hassle because you love the results. You love the blessing that it, that it comes into people's lives. And so is that you, full of mercy? Can you see the blessing in others because you reach out with compassion, with a heart that goes, I don't care about the hassle. I just love the results. Sixth, it's impartial. doesn't show favoritism. Impartial means it's not swayed by externals. It's, it's loyal. It's rooted. It's rooted in this direction. It's rooted in going towards Christ. And then lastly, it's sincere. It has no masks. It has no agendas. It just is what it is. What it is. James says these are the seven characteristics of godly wisdom. These are the ingredients you need in your life. As I said, I think we're going to go through this. Once we finish James, I think we'll go back and have a look at these one by one. Because these are important in our lives. To allow, to really see who we are. But just as an overview today. Some, somebody put it like this. They said, if I'm spiritually wise, I won't compromise my integrity. I won't antagonize your anger. I won't minimize your feelings. I won't criticize your suggestions. I won't emphasize your mistakes. I won't waste my life by going the wrong way. And I won't pretend to be someone I'm not. I'd love to take credit for writing that, but not me. I want you to look at those today. Think about these things today. And I want you to ask yourselves two questions. Firstly, are these ingredients active in my life? Are these things that I can see? Or that others can see in me? Or not? And secondly, we all need to grow, right? Which ones do we need to, or maybe which one today, 
do we need to say, Lord, I know I'm really weak here. Please help me to grow in this. Because I want to be spiritually wise in my life. And I need your help, Spirit of God, to help me to grow. You know what? You know what he said? He said, are they active? Most evident need to grow. But he said this. He said, those that are spiritually wise, the peacemakers, those who show that shalom, have it in themselves, show it, manifest it to others. They sow in peace, reap a harvest of right relationships with God. You'll see it in people around you. You will be able to encourage people around you to turn in the right direction, go in the right direction. You will see a harvest of people around you that the Spirit of God uses that shalom, that, that peace within you and that peace out of you, that wisdom that comes only from the Father through the sacrifice of Jesus via the Holy Spirit. God will use that to encourage others in this journey too. That's what's promised when we live a life in godly wisdom. Let's pray. Father.